Good morning, fellow students. Welcome to the first episode of Legacy Weapon, your source for the unofficial, authoritative legacy guide for beginners. I am Jamie Keller, and on the line from far afield is my co-host, Drew Walton. Hi, Drew. Hi. Goal of this podcast is to help you, the audience, to improve at magic. Now, we're particularly interested here in the legacy format. Players of all skill levels will benefit, but our goal is to take somebody who just knows how to play the game, and you play casually, you play at home, maybe your experience is standard, but we want to get you to the place where you could top eight a legacy IQ or win a local legacy event. Now, Drew and I are in a really good position to take you on this journey. Drew, talk about your experience, your history with Magic, and uh, when you got into Legacy. Sure, yeah. Uh, so I started playing uh, back during Urza Block, the late 90s. Played for a little while, got kind of bored with Nemesis. It was not a good time <laughs> to be in Magic and buying cards. I own a lot of uh, terrible commons. From that set. Anyway. Don't, don't forget um, the terrible rares from that set. Oh, please don't forget the terrible rares. I, actually, Cackling yeah. Witch? I think I've got 12 Cackling Witches. I, that's approximately how many Cackling Witches I have. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, so then I um, I got out for a little while before uh, Jamie here convinced me to, to, to get back on the on the juice in uh, the Zendikar block. And then sort of intermittently uh, was in and out until... Um, uh, Abyssin restored when I got back in for good. Started playing um, standard, worked my way up to modern, then into legacy, probably what three, four months ago. And uh, play, I have played in exactly one tournament. I made the top eight of that tournament, which was mostly because there were sixteen people in that tournament. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I have started back in Ice Age, uh, and. Like you and most people, was off and on a little bit, played through to uh, Tempest, then was out during Urza, came back in around... That's Macradian a mistake. Mask. Oh, it was a terrible mistake. Uh, came back in Macradian Mass, my, se- yeah. my second mistake. Yeah. Uh, but uh, most recently, about the same time as you, got back in with uh, Zendikar, a little bit more steady since then. I started Legacy also about a month ago or so. I, I played in one event, and I went... Uh, one and four, so <laughs> I think I did pretty well. <laughs> yes, uh, we are big beginners ourselves. You may have noticed at the top of the show, I called you all my fellow students, and that is the whole idea of the show. Drew and I are still learning the format, we're still honing our decks, we're still preparing for the meta. Uh, we want you to join us, and we'll lead you through Legacy. Uh, we'll be researching and preparing for each show, and we'll share all that with all of you. So, we are assuming that our listeners know how to play the game, uh, but we're assuming that they don't know Legacy. That's our starting point. So, familiar with the cards, familiar with the rules, but uh, not with Legacy. We want to keep this episode short, not bore the more experienced listeners, but go ahead and tell us what Legacy is. Right, so Legacy is one of Magic's, I guess there are really four sanctioned tournament formats, two of which are eternal formats. There's uh, Vintage, which is the one where you can play Black Lotus and all the really crazy broken stuff. And then Legacy, which is, uh, doesn't have those things. There's a substantial ban list that cuts out certain cards that are oppressively powerful in order to keep the format a little more balanced. But it does go all the way back to Elf. So unless it's on the ban list, every card ever printed is legal. Uh, except for those crazy unglued, unhinged sets. Those are silly. 
Yes. All right. So legacy is uh, all inclusive. Things don't rotate out the back. We, we will probably go through the ban list uh, in detail uh, at a later time, but for now we'll just talk about that any card that is uh, white border or black border is legal, uh, except the ones on the specific ban list. And as you said, that includes all the uh, silver border cards uh, from Unglued, the, 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 the joke cards. Right. Uh, it also includes the conspiracies. Technically, right. conspiracies are magic cards, but they are not allowed because they don't work in a normal game of magic. Yeah. Uh, also banned are all of the uh, what are known as anti-cards. Originally, right. the way the game was played is you would gamble one of your cards chosen at random against one of their cards. So you could just lose your Black Lotus. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. So those are also banned. Uh, the cards that require physical dexterity, flipping a card through the air and seeing where it landed. Yay, Chaos Orb. Chaos Orb uh, is adorable. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> And yeah. then there is an extended ban list beyond that. It includes all those, as you said, ridiculous power cards, the Black Lotus, the Moxon, uh, and we will go through it uh, in detail later. Um, do we want to read off a list now of what they are? Would that be helpful? Of the whole ban list? I mean, would you want to? That's probably... No. It's a long list. Okay. All right. Uh, we will put a link to that list uh, in the... What do you call the thing at the top? The, the, the comment section, the pod thing, the pod uh, thing. Sure. Anyway, there will be a link. There will be a link. Click, click on it, kids. <laughs> but uh, uh, as we said, we will go through uh, each of them in particular later. So those of you who have a super slick uh, Earthcraft deck that you want to turn into a legacy deck, we're sorry. You're going to have to go in a new direction. But uh, for now, we'll just accept the format as it is. Who knows? Maybe maybe Earthcraft's the next thing to come off the bandwagon. Right? That, that's the thing, right? Sure. Somebody's on Black yeah, Vice. Maybe. I don't think that's uh, breaking the tournament. I have no idea why that's on the list, but Anyway. Oh well. Now, this almost sounds like casual, doesn't it? I mean, all cards are legal, virtually. Four of each card, 60 card constructed decks. This sounds a lot like what you would just play in your kitchen table. You might expect for people to just have weird, crazy decks with all kinds of random stuff through the history of magic. Some people with underpowered decks. You know, that one guy who always brings his overpowered deck and nobody wants to play against him. Is is that what you've experienced? Well, definitely there are some decks that are weird and crazy if you've never seen them before. But, no, for the most part, every deck that you see at a Legacy Tournament has a name. There's a like an archetype that that, that, that fits into. You know, By the second or third turn, you usually have a good idea what 80% of the cards in your opponent's deck are. It's It's... It's not totally figured out, the format. Uh, there's definitely some room for um, improvement, innovation, and surprises can happen, but anything that's not one of the known best decks is probably not a good deck, and people probably aren't playing with it. Okay, so less of a chaos, commander, casual, where you really have no idea what you're going to show It's a little bit more like standard or modern, where... You know, if you pay attention ahead of the time, you can kind of know uh, what to expect. Maybe your opponent right. will be playing. Right. It tends to be a pretty fast format. You know, the game is, they call it a turn two, turn three format. So, for the most part, you're not playing cards that cost more than three or four mana. Uh, four, actually, is kind of a lot for Legacy. So yeah, That is uh, something which anyone not familiar with Legacy will see as we go on. Uh, the idea that a two-drop is an expensive card 
is very different than people who play yeah. limited or standard. The idea that a four yeah. drop really ought to win you the game, not be able to win you the game, but make the game no longer be happening anymore is right. different. Uh, and you, you were talking about archetypes, something that I'd like to talk about for, honestly, the rest of the show today. It'll probably be long enough for these topics of our, uh, another episode shortly is, uh, uh, the metagame. Now, um, some people talk about the metagame. What, what is the metagame? So the metagame is just all the scope of the decks that are out there and their sort of share of the total decks that get played, be the metagame. It's kind of a, a fuzzy concept, but, um, that's a terrible description. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try to help you out. Uh, I would think of the uh, the metagame as a way to look at um, h- how to game the game itself. Uh, there's the game that you play. When you're playing the game, you have your deck and they have their deck. You can't change your deck in the middle of game one. You came with the deck which you thought was going to be the best. Right. There's almost a, a, a second game, though, of trying to figure out what deck is going to be best on this deck. Right. Yeah, it's pretty partially dependent on what cards are good and how you can build a good deck, but it also depends on what you think you're going to play against. So you want to make sure that, you know, you know what everybody else is likely to be playing and you want to play cards that are good against those cards, like Chalice of the Void, which is would be terrible if it were in Standard. It's a great card in Legacy because so many of other people's decks are full of things that Chalice stops, whereas in Standard... Yeah, you're stopping their Elvish Mystic, and that is about it. You mentioned Chalice. Uh, Chalice the Void, for anyone who's not familiar with that card, is, uh, in the way you're using it, it's a two-mana artifact that says all cards that cost exactly one mana get countered forever. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's more complicated than that, but really that's what you and almost anybody in Legacy are doing with it. Right. Drew, you, you talked about trying to figure out what other people are playing. Why wouldn't you just play the best deck? This, this is something which may come easy to people who are familiar with competitive standard scenes, but uh, for people who just go to their Friday night games, they might not know. So the thing is, I mean, there usually is, you know, a best deck or two or three maybe best decks that, that have the best winning percentage in tournaments at any given moment. But even those still have bad matchups against some more fringe type decks. Soldiers, I keep going back to that because it's the deck I probably know the best for example, is probably not one of the, the best decks, but it wins a majority of its games against certain decks like like uh, Delver, which is a deck that runs lots of... It's, a, it's an aggressive deck that runs lots of uh, cheap creatures and cheap spells, cantrips. Cantrip is just a spell that draws a card. Most of these cost one mana, and they have about six or eight cards in the whole deck that they can cast if you land a Chalice, and so Soldiers tends to win that. Um, so Soldiers was a good choice in the metagame, as it was up until the most recent ban list changes. Yeah, we, we will we week. will get to that when we're talking more about the uh, the details and the nitty-gritty of the current metagame. But um, spoiler alert, there have recently been some changes to the ban list to make the best deck maybe not the best deck anymore. It was the best deck before that card got printed, though. So, Or at least it was one of the best decks before that card got printed. Now it's been banned. Who knows what'll happen? Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. so so you're saying that there was this best deck, and your deck could beat that one. Right. The best deck could right. beat a random deck, but that random deck might just be stronger than your deck. So it's kind of a, a rock paper scissors kind of thing. Right. Okay. So you, you try to see what decks you think other people will be playing, and then pick your deck to take advantage of that environment. So that's the metagame. Right. Uh, the listeners are probably more familiar with standard than legacy, or maybe than modern. 
Uh, in the newer, smaller formats, aggro is one of the archetypes. Aggro usually beats the uh, really, really, really slow decks. Uh, mm-hmm. Mid-range, middle-speed decks usually beat the aggro decks, and the uh, control slow decks usually beat the middle-range decks. The idea is you either want to be a lot faster than your opponent, get your whole hand down before they can play any of their big stuff, uh, and just beat them before they can play their cards, or be a little bit slower so that all your things are a little bit more powerful. In standard, aggro usually looks like efficient creatures that one, two, maybe three mana, you attack, you finish the game early with combat, spells direct damage, remove blockers. Each card, maybe not the most powerful, but they're very mana efficient, uh, powerful for what they can do, so you can get them all quickly. Uh, what does aggro look like in Legacy? There's there's not maybe really a, the, a pure aggro deck in Legacy. The closest thing is probably Burn, uh, which does run a few one-drops, like uh, Goblin Guide, Monastery Swift Spear, Grim Lava Mancer, and then it has a lot of burn spells, uh, Lightning Bolt, Rift Bolt, Chain Lightning, Lava Spike. Anyway, the point is uh, that you every spell you do, you cast, deals three damage, and more or less, no matter what they do, uh, you're going to kill them by the third or fourth turn. It's not a top-tier deck. It's very consistent, and it's decent against almost everything, but it's pretty easily sideboarded against, and it, it, it has some bad matchups. Okay. Um, Delver is also kind of aggro-y, although some people would say it's also it's sort of aggro control because it also runs a lot of counter spells. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking right now at a list of what are called the aggro decks, and you have something called Delver, which revolves around Delver secrets. You have decks that run uh, Young Pyromancer as aggro, mm-hmm. which uh, you know in a standard aggro deck, it's still a two-one for two. It makes tokens so strong, but it. Uh, in Legacy, it makes lots of tokens. In Legacy, it makes a lot of tokens. Uh, uh, things like True Name Nemesis, or uh, a Merfolk deck of just Lords uh, powering yeah. uh, Heck, Tarmogoyf. So these are right. still two drops, and it would be great. I mean, Tarmogoyf is a card which Standard would probably love to have, but all these decks only have about 12 creatures or so, even the aggro right. decks. They're, they're usually right. pretty low in creatures, uh, Merfolk's an exception. But yeah, the, basically the idea behind aggro is you're trying to win the game before they get to do their plan, because uh, the whole point of aggro is uh, you have very cheap stuff. The downside of having cheap stuff is that it's not good in the later game. And so you're trying to win on tempo. You're trying to complete your game plan, which is attacking or casting burn spells to reduce their life total to zero, before they get to complete their game plan. And you're just sort of accepting that their game plan is probably more powerful than yours. You're just hoping that it's going to be too slow. Okay, so most aggro decks, you said, are a little bit ag- aggro control, where they try to land a threat on turn one or two, and then right. just keep that threat on the ground and keep you from doing anything with counterspells. So they're still aggro right. with their our beating face yeah. with a one-drop, but uh, they're not just full of threats like a normal standard aggro deck might be. Right. Okay. Yeah, and that's mostly because the other form, the other archetypes in... Legacy are so good, you can't beat them by just attacking with creatures. Uh, you're just not going to be fast enough. Okay, well, let's move on to uh, control, just pure control, because we're on talking about yeah. that. Uh, at this recording, there's not a strong pure control deck uh, dominant in standard. Uh, new printings with Vapor Forge may change that, but there kind of wasn't a good uh, blue-black control like there usually is, or a white-blue-black right. control. Looking back a right. year or two ago, um, there were decks running uh, lots of destroy all creature cards, draw cards, yeah. uh, pinpoint removal, counter spells. 
incidental life game. They were able to play a reactive game to stop their opponent from doing anything without using many cards themselves. Knowing that the game goes longer, their hand will be full of cards, their opponent's hand will be empty of cards. Right. The cards aren't as cheap, they're not as mana efficient, but each one's more powerful. So as long as they get to play their cards, they're going to win. Uh, what does control look like in Legacy? Uh, sort of the same thing, actually, just with more powerful cards. The dominant control deck for a long time has been Miracles, which doesn't actually run very many mini- Miracles cards, but the, it, it manipulates its, its top decks a lot to make sure it gets, it gets good, good draws all the time. And then it runs some sweepers like Terminus, um, and a lot of removal like Swords to Plowshares. And then it basically tries to win the game with Jace the Mind Sculptor. Sometimes it also wins the game with uh, Entreat the Angels. Miracles, though, was considered pretty bad against the, the Delver-dominated metagame that we've been having up until recently. So it was not something that you saw a lot of, although I think a lot of people think that you're going to start seeing a lot more of it uh, in the next few weeks. Okay. Uh, that's an excellent way to discuss it, uh, concentrating just on one. There are other decks that we call Control. Uh, we will get in a little bit more later on specific cards which are useful, which, uh, uh, spoiler, Force of Will is the name of the card. We'll talk about that one later. Yeah, that's in every deck. Uh, yeah. uh, Not literally every deck, but it's, it's a, you should assume it's in every deck. Now, uh, last week we talked about mid-range. Uh, is there mid-range in Legacy? Uh, sort of. You uh, you do have uh, some decks. Jund used to be a big mid-range player that doesn't really see much play anymore. Probably the, the biggest mid-range thing now is the various stone blade or death blade variants using using um, Stoneforge Mystic and um, that card plus a bunch of equipment. Like, well, specifically it's going to be Batterskull and it's going to be Umazawa's Jite. Maybe sort of Fire and Ice. There's a sort of particular package of artifacts that goes with that card, that, that creature that, that sees play pretty consistently. And um, you, you usually, those decks almost always run blue as well so that they have some um, access to Force of Will. And then the, the, um, they'll off, often also run some discard effects like Thoughtseize, Duress, or um, Torak. And that way they try to disrupt the combo decks. Then they just, they try to assemble a uh, strong presence on the board and just win that way. Okay, and something which actually just occurred to me, especially with uh, uh, a lot of deck names and card names that are throwing out that are older. If you've only been playing Standard, you won't know a lot of these. We will throw links down in the comments to uh, Gatherer for uh, probably each of the cards which we're naming individually on here, just so you can see those. Now, uh, there's one other archetype which uh, I wanted to talk about, which is not always present in Standard, but that's a combo. Tell us about combo. So, combo runs cards that are totally useless in the majority of decks, but they work together in a way that wins the game. Maybe the most common pure combo deck in Legacy is uh, Storm, which tr- basically, usually the, the main win condition is a card called Tendril's Agony, which basically says if you've played nine other spells this, this turn, uh, you win the game. That's a good summary of that card. I like that. And uh, Right, so the point is to play... You play some some tutoring mechanics to to pull up the other combo pieces and lots of cantrips to draw lots of cards and then then you cantrip and you cantrip and then you replay your cantrips and you have some mana acceleration too and then you replay some of your mana acceleration 
you do all of this in one explosive turn, uh, you cast a whole bunch of spells, and then finally you cast Tendrils of Agony, and the game is over. So how fast can a legacy combo deck win? Turn one, if it's lucky. All right. So these decks, they sound really fragile. So it sounds like if you have destruction against them, if you have counter spells that you can play on turn one, or discard that you can play on turn one, you can maybe just stop these decks from doing anything. Is that right? They're usually pretty resilient. I mean, it's going to take more than just one Thoughtseize to, to shut them down, or one one well-timed force of will. But but yeah, you you can uh, you know it, it, either it works and they win the game, or it doesn't do anything and they lose. It sounds like they're uh, probably especially strong against um, uh, decks that would seem more fair. Decks that just play creatures and attack with them seems like it would probably be able to uh, assemble its engine and, before you can just rumble across the battle zone. Right, and to an extent, that's why you don't really see any fair decks in Legacy, because there are enough combo decks that you can't just simply play your own plan and hope that that will be better than your opponent's. Okay, great. Uh, we do want to take a minute right now and thank our sponsor, Joven's Tools. Are you sick of all the great big box warehouse stores with aisles and aisles where you can't find what you need? Come on down to Joven's Tools. We do not care what you are looking for. If you're looking for a goblin pile driver, if you're looking for a mana screw, or just a hammer of perforos, we will be there for you. Just turn left at Homelands, but be careful not to stop there, because that is spectral bear country. <laughs> is there anything more that you want to talk about on the metagame today? Uh, on one of the upcoming episodes, we will go through specific uh, archetypes in more detail. Uh, is there anything else that you think we should discuss about the uh, just legacy as a format? I think it is worth noting that there are there are an awful lot of different kinds of decks. Uh, one of the defining characteristics of legacy is that there are lots of different ways to play the game. Just because you have such a wide variety of, of cards available, maybe even more so than vintage, just because the presence of the power cards in vintage kind of crowds out some of the strategies that aren't supported by incredibly powerful. And that's a that's a really good point. It seems to me that Legacy uh, changes more slowly since things don't rotate out, since the power bar is already pretty high. Uh, a new set coming in might not have many cards to shake it up. As, as we go, we'll probably talk about some of the newer sets or cards they've added to the Legacy scene. But, you know, in standard, from one week to the next, what deck is good might right. completely change. Right. Um, part of that is just because, I mean, the power level of the established cards in, in, in Legacy is so, hard, is so high, you know, you're really only going to have, in sets not named cons of Tarkir, you're only going to see, you know, two or three cards tops that are really going to see any consistent Legacy play. Whereas in Standard, obviously, every new set is going to see lots of play. Uh, the other thing is just that Standard is, since it's all new, people are still figuring it out. Um, there will be a, the best deck may not have even been discovered yet. In Legacy, the decks that we know about are all pretty good, and people have, have been playing with them for a long time, and they know what they're doing. So if you talk about uh, variety, I'm just looking right here at a list of uh, ones that have been played substantially in the past two months. I'm seeing about 30 different deck mm-hmm. uh, archetypes. Yeah. Right, it's very diverse. So, okay, so very diverse, but those 30 are probably, uh, give or take, you know, the same 30. So if you have a deck that's strong today, it's still going to be strong next week, next month, probably next year. Is that right? Right, for the most part, yeah. You might not be, you might win a tournament today, and you might, you might not, you might struggle to finish in the top half of the field next year, but you're still going to win games. Now, 
one of the things that actually drew me to legacy is uh, the non-rotating aspect. Um, I have, like many people, a, a limit to the cards that I own, a limit to the amount of money that I can spend on the game. Uh, yes. So standard has never really appealed to me. I like a lot of standard decks. I like a lot of the cards in standard. I like having new things. But I cannot make a top-tier deck every year. Even if I played one right. deck through the whole season, I couldn't make a brand-new top-tier deck every season and afford to keep doing that forever. Right. Uh, the one downside with standard that I've seen is if you uh, uh, are like me and like most people, you hold on to your decks for a while, and now your $500 deck is worth 20 bucks because you know, those cards have rotated out. Maybe 50 bucks, but yeah, still. Yeah. Uh, Legacy, uh, I got into Legacy because Drew here mentioned that I already owned three quarters of the cost of uh, a deck called Elves uh, because I had been playing way back in the day. I had a very pet deck, which I will, I'm sure, talk about at length uh, later, that had really wanted a specific card. So I traded for a lot of its cards. I, I had three of a card called uh, Gaia's Cradle. Super broken card. Super broken card. Now, I was not using it in the most broken way back then because I was using it with a, a fungus, a fungus-themed deck. But, uh, but that's why I traded for them. Fungus. It served me well. Fungus, fungus tribal is not a tier one legacy deck. No, no, fungus tribal is not a tier one <laughs> legacy deck. But because of that, I had three guys cradles already, uh, which is the majority of the cost of start having an elf deck. So I traded and purchased a little to get one legacy deck. And now I know that this deck, it's not always going to be the best. It was one of the best a little while back. It's right now on the down end where it's a deck that's present, but you usually not winning tournaments these days. But it's still good, and I know that it'll stay good. So that's what's kind of drawn me to like it. Um, I got in mostly because uh, my other friends were playing, and they were getting obsessed with Legacy, and I needed to get a Legacy deck to play with them. So I, I built Soldiers uh, almost, uh, almost to troll them uh, because... Soldiers is just a really weird deck, and it looks the list looks like it would not be any good at all. Um, but then it actually kind of wins games, and it's also a fairly cheap deck to build, which was handy. I do not have the uh, the library of legacy staples that, that Jamie possesses, so um, I had to build this mostly from scratch. And uh, you can actually build a fairly decent version of soldiers for slightly less than the cost of one guy's cradle. Fair enough. And uh, we will be talking about uh, getting the legacy on a budget, uh, what decks you can play that are less expensive or what substitutions you can make. There are some things you can't fake. There is no card that does the same thing as Stoneforge. There's no card yep. that does the same thing as Force of Will, which sometimes means you just have to get those cards or sometimes meaning you need to, like Drew did, pick a deck that doesn't have those cards. Yeah. But uh, we will go into that in detail. Uh, my deck is still uh, running some suboptimal cards because of budget reasons, but I think it is running uh, enough that it doesn't really hurt the deck much. We'll talk about that uh, in a future podcast. We won't go into that now. But good to, to kind of hear some of the reasons what brought us here uh, and what, uh, what what is especially fun about Legacy, something where you can have a deck that you love and keep playing it and keep honing it and know that it will keep treating you pretty well. Yep. All right. Well, uh, I think that's about enough for today. Uh, I want to lay out a roadmap for this podcast now so that you know what we are going to get at uh, in general. Around every other episode, 
we're going to pick an archetype and do a, it's called a deck tech. We're going to go through the cards in the deck, lean deep, uh, talking about what to expect when you're playing with or against the deck. We're going to be learning with you. Uh, I know a few decks very well. Drew knows a few decks very well. But you'll always do better if you know uh, your deck and your opponent's deck. Uh, you may uh, want to hear us talk about these decks just so that you know what to expect when you're playing against strangers at your local game store or at an invitational qualifier or a Grand Prix. Uh, you may hear about a new deck that sounds worth trying out. So we will be doing that. So on the episodes where we don't do deck techs, we're, we'll talk more about the strategy and, uh, of, of the game, about the, the metagame. We don't know very much about the metagame right now. It's probably going to change a lot. So um, and we'll, we'll talk about developments in recent tournaments, which is how we know what the metagame is. Uh, as new sets come out, we'll talk about their impact. There's some cards from Fate Reforged that might see some legacy play, so we'll see how that works out. And uh, anything else that comes across, uh, com- comes up, comes into our minds. Uh, we may also talk about other formats um, occasionally, see how that goes. Um, like Modern, like Commander. Might talk about those at some point. Uh, we may also try to play some games via Skype and uh, comment on the game as we're going. We'll see if that turns into something that's actually playable, if it can be edited into a something that would, you might stand to listen to. Um, you don't want to just hear people but, flipping cards onto a table, Drew? I mean, I, I, <laughs> that sounds like a thrilling radio hour. Yeah. Uh, but uh, So we'll, we'll experiment with things. We are learning how to do podcasts as we learn how to do legacy. All right. Well, until next time, class, remember, preparation is the best legacy weapon. Give me a second on Jovan. Jovan's... Oh, I remember who Jovan is. Jovan's cool. (laughs) Homeland. Yes. It's up here. (laughs) Spectral bear country.